And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalzer, joined as always by John Paulson. How are we doing today, JP? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, I was just, we are talking a little bit off air. Uh, the Blues play Game 7 tonight. We're recording on Wednesday, and, um, you know, it's just, it's been nonstop hockey coverage, and as much as I've enjoyed it, uh, looking forward to, to kind of shifting more into some off-season football, so looking forward to that. Before we get into the pod today, tell us about the music. Yes, this is a band called uh, the Glorious Glorious Sons. Uh, it's a track that they just released um, a week ago. It looks like Panic Attack. It's on Spotify. Uh, there's also a video for it up on uh, YouTube. And uh, I picked this one for you, Anthony. This, you always like to tell me that you like uh, to be punched in the face when you listen to <laughs> your music. So this one, I think, is a kind of a punch in the face. Uh, uh, a good track. Uh, right now it's a single. I think it's going to end up probably on one of their albums, but uh, I think it's a pretty good track. That's funny. Yeah, I, I always use that term where I want to get I, I want to get punched in the face with a good rock tune. And I listened to the first couple bars of it and it sounds good. I can't wait to, to listen to the whole thing. Today we're going to preview the NFC North and the NFC East by asking and trying to answer the burning fantasy questions for each team. Before we get to that, though, I want to let you know that your chance to win an autographed Devontae Adams jersey ends on Friday, June 14th. Again, we're recording on Wednesday, June 12th, so it ends on Friday, June 14th. All you have to do is buy a 4 for 4 subscription, and you'll be automatically entered to win the jersey. You'll also get 17 to 20% off our early bird pricing and a free $35 coupon to use on any any league at Fantasy Football Players Championship, or FFPC as it's known. You can use the coupon on one of their 35 best ball leagues or any other league at the site. Again, the window closes on the Devontae Adams jersey on 6-14, June 14th. So get on it. And that 17 to 20% off pricing depends on what what subscription or which subscription that you get for 444.com. So now's the time to get on it. If you think about it, if you've been wanting to try 444, you've been wanting to get a subscription, you've heard great things either from John, John or I or one of your buddies, you got to jump on it now because the, the pricing isn't going to get much better than it is right now. Let's move on to some some news first. Greg Smith made his debut on his feed as he and Justin Edwards on the pod to had had Justin Edwards on the pod to discuss how the old line play impacts fantasy football. Make sure you check that out. We're we're adding to our podcast library. Greg Smith, we introduced him last week and he's already done a pod with Justin Edwards on the old line play and how that impacts fantasy football. So it's just one of the many things that we continue to do to 4 for 4 to try to expand our coverage. And before we do any previews on NFC North and NFC East, some news broke about Tyreek Hill that we wanted to get to. John, I wanted to get your take on how fantasy owners should handle it in their early drafts. So uh, if you if you haven't heard yet, this news kind of broke again. Last Friday, John and I did a podcast, but the information came out following our podcast. Tyreek Hill, 
according to reports, the allegations that it's no longer active. So a police probe into Tyreek Hill's child abuse allegations, it's no longer active. According to NFL Network's Tom Placero, barring any further developments, there is every reason to believe that Tyreek Hill will be back with the Chiefs before the start of next month's training camp. But John, you and I were discussing that Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk is adamant that Tyreek Hill will still be suspended under the NFL's uh, conduct policy. You know, they, 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 they do the whole protect the shield deal. So let's, uh, let's do a kind of a, a dive now into fantasy owner, uh, what fantasy owners should do, what your take is, where is he going in drafts, and just kind of a synopsis on how fantasy owners should deal with the Tyreek Hill situation. Yeah, and I watched the Florio's takes over the weekend and today, and he's adamant, as you as you stated. There, the NFL. He's spoken with the NFL. The NFL is currently waiting for an ongoing investigation by Child Protective Services. Apparently, the child has been removed from the um, from the home, and uh, they're waiting for that to conclude before they uh, get into it uh, and make their determination. Uh, on whether or not he should be suspended. Uh, there is the tape of him threatening, uh, seemingly threatening his fiance. Uh, so if you go back to, I believe last year, Jimmy Smith was suspended for four games for threats of violence. Uh, so there is, uh, and then it, that is in the, the personal conduct policy too, just violence or threats of violence uh, you can be suspended for. So this is like my least favorite part of my job is trying to figure out um, how many uh, games somebody like this is going to play this year? Uh, but I have to do it in order to project, uh, you know, the team and everything like that. And I know our subscribers want to know. Some of them don't care and want to just want to win their league, and they see an opportunity maybe to get a top three, top four receiver uh, at a discount. Um, and others won't draft him at all. So that's your personal decision. <laughs> a decision, right? Um, Right now, I'm projecting him to play 10 games, so I'm, I'm guessing he'll miss six games one way or the other. I, a couple things I think could happen here. One, this CPS investigation drags into the season, and he's just indefinitely um, not playing, not practicing, uh, definitely not playing games if he's not practicing. Um, they could conclude this CPS investigation, and he could get a four to six to eight to 16 game suspension. Uh, the, thing, the point that Florio made is that this is the 100th season of the NFL. They don't want to be talking about Tyreek Hill, uh, so they may not want him on the field at all. That seems like a – I don't know if that should be the factor that the NFL should be considering uh, when levying a suspension. I don't know how fair that is to, to Hill uh, based on the fact that it's the 100th season, but it might play into – Florio seemed to think that that might play into their decision-making. The other issue is that he did choke his then-pregnant girlfriend in 2014 – his draft stock took a huge hit. He got taken in the fifth round instead of the first round. Uh, and the NFL was never able to suspend him for that. And so he does have a history of this going back to his pre-NFL days. Uh, so they will weigh that uh, as well as they levy their suspension if they do levy a suspension. So I'm currently projecting for 10 games. That puts him in the low wide receiver two rankings. Uh, I did a draft last night and he think, I think he went off the board in the fifth round and that was, um, certainly before I would consider taking him, uh, 
just based on the, the chances that he could miss the entire season. Uh, he could miss half the season. Uh, I think if you get into a four to six game suspension, then, the, then there certainly is some value there for a guy you might have in the last eight to 10 games, uh, posting wide receiver one type numbers for you. So that's, uh, up to each individual owner, whether or not they want him on his team, uh, or, or their team, I should say. Uh, so that's where we stand right now. I'm predicting for, for 10 games. Well, like you said, John, it's it's not an easy situation to dive into because while we have certainly a fair amount of information with uh, what has been charged to him, what we heard on the audio tape, it's disturbing all the way around, and you, you just you, you wish that these situations are cut and dry, um, but that's that's not how it works, and that's not how our legal system works, both positively and negatively. So um, I think you said it you said it well, and let's just move on. We'll get into some more uh, clear cut thoughts now with fan with some other fantasy stuff including our NFC North breakdown. And let's start with the Bears, since they did win the NFC North. Oh. Who made... <laughs> Killing me. Sorry to remind you there, Packer fan. Uh, who made some changes to their backfield? Um, the Bears did. After trading away Jordan Howard, they signed Mike Davis. They drafted David Montgomery out of, uh, out of Iowa State, along with Tariq Cohen, who's already there. How do you think the, the touches kind of shake out with this backfield of the Bears? Well, I think uh, Cohen's role is fairly safe. He might lose a few catches. Montgomery's not bad in the passing game. Mike Davis is not bad in the passing game. I think he had 30-plus catches last year for Seattle. Uh, I'm seeing Montgomery go fairly early in the draft, and I don't know that uh, the current situation justifies that. I guess their owners are thinking that he's going to come in and be that Jordan Howard role in that offense, but uh, I could see Mike Davis causing some problems there. They, They went out and signed him before trading away Jordan Howard, so they clearly wanted to acquire Davis. Um, so we'll see what how that shakes out. But I think Cohen is probably the safest bet, especially in PPR formats, because his skill set just is different than these other guys uh, in terms of how electric he is with the ball in his hands. So uh, I'll be watching closely the Davis-Montgomery uh, battle for the primary ball carrier in this offense because uh, he should have some value. All right, tell me why I might want to nab Trey Burton in the later rounds. Yeah, I was fairly excited about Burton as he headed over to Chicago in a starting role. And I think the general consensus is is that his season was a disappointment. Uh, However, he did finish as the number eight tight end last season. Uh, But if you look at the 14 games where Mitch Trubisky played, um, Burton played at a 57 catch, 618 yards, seven touchdown pace in those games. Uh, That would have made him the number six tight end. Uh, he's still only 27. This is his second season in uh, Matt Nagy's system. So uh, I could see him taking a step forward. If you miss out on the couple top t- top tiers, I think Burton's somebody that I would be targeting uh, in the middle, middle late rounds, um, just based on his draft stock and, and the value you're probably going get, to get from him. All right, let's move on to the Vikings since they finished second in the NFC North. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for another UG there from you. Uh, why? Why? Why are you down on Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen this year? Uh, yeah, I have zero shares of either, and I, I do see a like a path where this could be fine, and the Vikings could go back to throwing the ball and and everything. But Mike Zimmer uh, repl- uh, replaced uh, De Filippo. De Filippo, yep. as the as the OC, uh, he was pretty pass heavy, and then late in the season they um, promoted Kevin Stefanski, 
if you look at the team's pace, it's slowed by 6.4 plays per game. And the run-pass split was almost even, which was a big departure from what was happening in the first 13 games. Cousins' per-game production dropped to 15.8 points per game. Uh, Adam Thielen's numbers took a dump. (laughs) Once again, a dump. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Uh, So... Now, this is a very small sample size. It's three games, so maybe they do pass the ball more than they did towards the end of the season last year, but I'm certainly worried about it. I don't want to invest, certainly don't want to invest like a third-round pick in Adam Thielen unless it's the very end of the third round, and even then I'd rather have Julian Edelman if he's on the board. Uh, And as far as the quarterbacks, I just don't – there's so many quarterbacks you can take. I just wouldn't risk it with Cousins. Um, I wouldn't take him in the top 20, I don't think – you know, maybe in best ball, but I don't think we're going to be able to trust this offense in terms of as far as passing. Diggs was the only one that really did anything in the passing game in that final month of the season. All right. Now the time for the Packers. Oh, who, fin- who finished third place, John, in case uh, <laughs> you didn't know. It's going to be a committee in the backfield with Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, or will it be Matt LaFleur feeding the more efficient Jones? Do you, so, in other words, do you think that uh, Jones and Jamal Williams will be a committee backfield, or you'd think that Matt LaFleur is going to pick one of those two guys, and, and with it being Jones being the more efficient one, uh, do you think it will be him? Uh, well, I'm, I'm hoping it's the latter. I hope it's uh, Aaron Jones in the lead back role with Jamal Williams being serving as a change of pace back. Uh, Benny Catrino, who is a new contributor this year, just did an article, just wrote an article, Matt LaFleur will make Aaron Jones a fantasy stud. Um, So he goes through all the reasons why Aaron Jones is better than uh, Jamal Williams. Uh, Previously, the the argument was that Jamal Williams was a much better pass blocker, so you have to protect Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Jones was unable to do that, but his uh, pass blocking got much better in his second season. So if he stays healthy, I think he ends up the lead back in this backfield. I think you, he'll return like third round value or even more because he should, he's extremely explosive. His efficiency on a per carry per touch basis is pretty insane. Uh, he looks electric when he gets the ball. Uh, so I would, I think it's going to end up being maybe a 60, 40, 65, 35 sort of split. And it all depends on Jones's health, whether or not he returns a third round value. All right. Who's the number two option now in this passing game for the Packers? This is a, that's a tough question because I you know prior to maybe last week when I saw some positive Marque, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling news from uh, Aaron Rodgers who said he's having a great spring, um, sort of indicating that he might be the number two option there. I would have said uh, Geronimo Allison because Allison, you know, prior to his injury last year was on a uh, pretty pretty good pace. He had five catches for sixty nine yards and a touchdown, and eight targets. Six for 64 on six targets, two for 76 and a touchdown on four targets, and six for 80 on 11 targets in the first four games. That was a 76 catch, 1156 yard, eight touchdown pace over a full season, 116 target pace. Uh, so he was he was the number two option in this passing game last year, and he's going fairly cheaply. Uh, Valdez Scantling is even cheaper. I think both of them will have some value. Uh, Typically, the Packers run three wide receiver sets. This is obviously a new uh, offense with Matt LaFleur in there, but I think he'll be running a lot of base, three wide receiver, and some four wide receiver sets. So if you're in the top three here for the Packers, I think you're going to be on the field 70 80% of the time. 
uh, with Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball. So I think uh, you'll have fantasy value. The question is, will you be startable and dependable? Uh, that's where it gets a little bit dicey. You're, you're looking for that number two option in this game because you also have Jimmy Graham soaking up five to seven targets uh, at, tight, at the tight end position. So um, I think you're going to end up with both guys need to be drafted and whoever shakes out as number two option will end up being startable, startable uh, but it might flip-flop on a per-game basis based on the matchups. All right, finally in the NFC North, the Lions, who are looking more and more like uh, a team running under head coach Matt Patricia because he's a defensive guy and they seemingly are a running, running team under him. What does this mean for Kenny Galladay and then Marvin Jones if, if, we're, if we're right and Matt Patricia is going to run the ball again like he did last year? Yeah, Galladay's being drafted in the third or fourth round. Um, and if you just look at what he did last year towards the end of the season, he was getting targeted a ton. He ended up with 7.9 targets per game, but he had three games in his final, uh, looks like seven games, where he had 13-plus uh, targets. He had eight-plus in all but one of his final seven games. So that certainly bodes well, but Marvin Jones was out with an injury. Uh, Golden Tate had been traded. And Galladay was really the last man standing in a pretty depleted receiving core. And now that Marvin Jones is back, uh, I wonder if there's going to be enough targets to support, uh, you know, third, fourth round value for Galladay in this running attack that they're going to they're going to utilize. I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of Karrion Johnson and some C.J. Anderson really focused on the offensive line and and improving it. And, uh, you know, they want to establish the run. Again, the defensive-minded coach wants to establish the run. Uh, so I'm a little worried about Galladay. I could even see Marvin Jones pushing him for, you know, to, to produce the most fantasy points in this offense. And that certainly wor- worries me um, if if I'm trying to draft Galladay in the fourth round, which which I'm not. All right. Does Detroit's offensive plan mean that Carrion Johnson has RB1 upside? I mean, he was he was great for fantasy owners before getting hurt late last year. Yeah, he definitely needs to stay healthy for him to return that sort of value. But this is definitely shaping up to be a run-heavy offense, and his touches were, uh, you know, getting up there uh, in the 15 to 20 range uh, during that second part of the season after the bye. He even had some big touch games prior to that. Um, so I just would like to take, you know, shout out to my dog solo right now who decided this would be a good time to take a drink of water. <laughs> I didn't know if somebody, I don't know if somebody left the bathroom open or your dog was, uh, you know, going on your floor, but I'm glad he's, he's just getting a drink. He's really thirsty. He's obviously really thirsty and decided this was the time to take a drink. Um, that wasn't distracting at all. Carrion Johnson does have RB one upside. He's being drafted as an RB two for him. It's staying healthy. You know, obviously he missed the last six games last year. Uh, and then I think C.J. Anderson could dip into his workload a little bit if they try to just keep uh, Johnson's worth workload under 20 touches or 18 touches per game. Um, you could see him with some games where he gets 13 to 15 and, and uh, C.J. Anderson gets a pretty healthy workload as well. That could uh, reduce his value a little bit as well. All right, let's move on to the NFC East now. Let's start with the division champs, which is the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think that Dak Prescott is a viable QB1? And then in connection here is Amari Cooper, a wide receiver one. Those two absolutely lit up the stat sheet once Amari Cooper was acquired from Oakland last year. Well, I definitely think Cooper uh, is based on what he did after he came over from the, from the Cowboys, you know, basically still trying to find an apartment and already posting big games 
for the for the Cowboys. But I think the bigger question, larger question, is Dak Prescott, who's going I don't know quarterback fifteen, quarterback twenty range. And I think he's going that late because people are looking at his full season uh, stats uh, last year. But if you just look at the um, the eleven games that he played with Amari Cooper, including the um, the postseason, he played at a 43, 4305-yard pace, 4,305 yards, 32 total touchdown pace when uh, prorated to 16 games, 19.9 fantasy points per game. Uh, just looking at the regular season, he was the number six quarterback with a 19.1 point per game average from week nine on. Uh, so he's already shown that he has top five, top six upside with Cooper in the lineup. And so I love the value late in the draft. I was actually targeting him um, last night in a industry draft. And I ended up with Jared Goff, um, taking Jared Goff over Prescott because I wasn't sure I have him, I have Goff ahead of Prescott. I wasn't sure Prescott was going to make it back to me because some of the owners were taking two quarterbacks. So I ended up taking Goff and, uh, but I, I feel totally fine with, with Dak Prescott as my QB one going into the season. All right, the Eagles added Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders in the backfield, Deshaun Jackson, and then J.J. I know I, I screwed this up the last time. Arcega Whiteside? J.J. Sure. Arcega, <laughs> Arcega Whiteside. You're, ask, you're asking me like I know. I don't know. Well, I know you and I discussed this in, in one of the previous spots, so maybe I thought, you know, off the top of your head. Uh, J.J. Arcega Whiteside in the receiving course. How does this play out for you? Well, they're pretty loaded, aren't they, at receiver and running back now. Miles Sanders has a hamstring injury, so he's missing all of OTAs. We'll see if he's ready to go for camp. We've seen this before with rookies uh, being injured during the summer and then get off to slow starts. Um, Happened to Bishop Sankey, who obviously had some other issues in terms of making it in the NFL. But, you know, you miss these OTAs. You're not on the field for that stuff. Uh, you're not establishing your role in the offense. And they do have Jordan Howard, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, Josh Adams. Um, so this is a pretty crowded backfield. And Doug Peterson has shown that he is very willing to run a committee uh, to divvy up these touches amongst these guys based on their skill set. So uh, I'm not too excited about any of them right now, especially with Sanders out. Uh, in the receiving core, you know, Nelson Aguilar is the one that's taking the big hit, I think, because you're going to end up with Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, probably as your top two receivers. And then I don't know where um, the rookie fits in there uh, in terms of being on the field. He, he's looking like he's going to be the number four receiver unless they trade Aguilar away. Uh, so I'm not expecting a big season from him either. Um, really the only person I trust, or there's two I trust, probably Jeffrey and uh, – the one I trust the most is Zach Ertz, his role in the offense. I think even with Dallas Goddard kind of pushing him, I think Ertz's role is pretty safe. All right. On to Washington, Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, Chris Thompson. What do you expect from this backfield? This is another one that uh, has the potential to be convoluted. Yeah. Uh, Geis is going really early. I, I you know, I, Maybe I'm just not a believer. Maybe I'm a naysayer. Uh, but you know, with the knee injury, had his – two or three different procedures after the knee injury, but I guess he's trending up and he's ahead of schedule now. Uh, they did sign Adrian Peterson to a two-year deal. Uh, so as long as Peterson's on the roster, I don't know that Geis is going to be the lead back here unless Peterson just totally falls on his face. 
in terms of running the ball. He did a good job for them last year. Uh, it wasn't an outstanding yards per carry, but just given the whole framework of that offense, and he was pretty productive for them. They have a pretty good one-two punch with Peterson and Thompson right now, so they can bring Geis along, along slowly. But if Geis is out there and he's taking first-team snaps and he's ahead of Peterson, then obviously we got to flip this uh, and, and move Peterson down and Geis up. But right now I think Peterson's really nice value in the 11th, 12th, 13th round. He's, he's, he's available very late into, into drafts right now. Is there any value at all in this Washington passing game, given the situation at quarterback? I mean, it could could potentially be great with Dwayne Haskins taking over, but with the injury situations of Alex Smith and then Colt McCoy, and they, they, they traded for Case Keenum, any value at all in this passing game? Well, I would suspect that Haskins makes the most starts this year. I don't know if he'll start week one, but it, it seems like he's already in the competition for that job. Um, as far as value, you're looking at these receivers, Josh Dotson, he might still be available in the 24th round of one draft. <laughs> uh, Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn. I mean, and then Jordan Reed, a tight end, if he can stay healthy, maybe there's just not a lot going on here. I think, you know, Haskins is the cheapest option in terms of at the quarterback position. He's very, very, very cheap is what I meant. And, I have him as my third quarterback in a two-quarterback league, and I feel all right about it. Um, there's enough here, receiver, for him to have a decent season. You also have Chris Thompson coming out of the backfield, catching the ball. Um, but the, not one guy that you can, you're going to say is going to get six to eight targets a game unless you're talking Jordan Reed when he's healthy. Otherwise, um, none of these guys are too dependable from a target standpoint. All right, and then as we mine for value with the Giants, everybody knows about Saquon Barkley, but after Barkley, are there any solid bets in New York when you're talking about either the the running game or the passing game? And again, Saquon Barkley, everybody everybody knows what he's capable of. Yeah, he's the number one pick off the board most of the drafts I'm in. Uh, there is that. There was that little bit uh, this week about. Daniel Jones possibly starting ahead of Eli Manning. The, the coaches there are no longer just describing it as Eli Manning's team, and uh, they're just not commenting on the the competition there. I guess Daniel Jones has looked really good in OTAs, so they may move on sooner rather than later. Uh, I thought this would be one more year of Eli Manning and let Jones uh, sort of learn uh, on the sideline, but he might get thrown to the wolves here. Um fairly soon and it certainly depends on how the the Giants are doing if they lose their first three or four games or you know are out of the playoff hunt then there really is no point in keep uh to keep rolling uh, Eli out there quarterback so what does that mean for Golden Tate Sterling Shepard Evan Ingram those are your top three targeted uh receivers I think uh Ingram looks like a pretty good play he has done very well with Odell Beckham out but you could see Tate coming in and, and getting six to ten targets per game and sucking up a lot of that passing game. They're, they're, they want to be run heavy with a lot of Barkley, uh, so that doesn't leave a ton of pass attempts for these receivers, and all three of them are pretty good players. So um, you could see all three not living up to their draft stock because they just basically split this uh, passing pie equally and you know, with these other players getting some as well. Uh, they end up kind of disappointing. Um, I, I have the most confidence in Ingram, and then I'm not even sure who's going to be more targeted between Tate and Shepard right now. I think it's Shepard, um, but it could easily be Tate. So this is a really tough one to gauge, and so I'm sort of avoiding the receivers altogether, and the only person I'm 
you know, taking at any, any point in the draft really is Evan Ingram. Um, and he's more of a afterthought if I, if I miss out on the top three tight ends. All right, great stuff as always, John. John Paulson, 444.com. Uh, don't forget about all of his great work throughout the, the course of the offseason. He's always mining through the rankings and doing various stuff when it comes to uh, getting you prepared for your draft. And you can follow him at 444 underscore John. Don't forget also to win your chance. You get a chance to win an autographed Devontae Adams jersey, but it ends on Friday, June 14th. All you have to do is buy a 4 for 4 subscription. You'll automatically be entered to win the jersey. You'll also get 17 to 20% off your early bird pricing, as well as a free $35 coupon to use in any league at Fantasy Football Players Championship. If you hear us re- reference it, it's FFPC. You can also use the coupon on one of their 35 best ball leagues or any other league at the site. Tremendous value right now going on with not only our early bird pricing at 4 for 4 but in conjunction with that $35 coupon that you can use on any league at FFPC. Again, window closes on the Devontae Adams jersey on Friday, June 14th, so make sure you get on it. I'm Anthony Stalter. You can follow me as well at at, uh, Anthony Stalter on Twitter. For John Paulson, we'll see you next time on 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. 